This story is from Greece. Not the hit musical with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John, no, ancient Greece. And it begins with Hera, queen of Olympus, who needed a dream. Not for herself, but to pass a message on to someone else, Alicon. Alicon's husband, Sakes, was dead. He'd been sailing home when Poseidon, the god of the oceans, had become angry and in his rage whipped the waters into a violent storm that tore through the night. Sakes watched in horror as a wave rushed towards the ship, forming into a fist that smashed through the mast, splintering the wood before stretching into foam-flecked fingers that wrapped themselves around the boat, dragging it down, down, down into the black waters. And in that moment, everything that Sakes was, was not. Unaware, of her loved one's fate, Alicon watched for his ship on the horizon every day, the knot in her stomach growing tighter and tighter. So consumed was Alicon with thoughts of sakes that she no longer cared for herself. She didn't eat nor sleep, and a mind without rest is a troubled mind. She would wander the empty house, staring at the empty bed, unable to fall asleep as her body searched for the familiar warmth that was no longer there. And every night she would pray, mumbling desperate pleas to Hera for Sakes' safe return, to lay with him, wrapped in each other. She would pray and pray and pray. Hera could see the love in Alicon's words, and it broke her heart knowing that Sakes would never return. She couldn't bring him back but she could bring peace to a mind that looked for what was no longer there. She could give Alicon the gift of restful sleep, and when she was held in its gentle embrace, Hera would send her a message of her husband's passing in a dream. And then having convinced Poseidon to release the body of Sakes, Alicon could find him, restful and at peace on the beach. For once we know something is truly at an end, we can begin again. She would free Alicon from the unknown and give her that gift of restful sleep. And for that, she would need the help of Hypnos, the god of sleep. Hypnos lived in a cave in the land of Erebus, a place that was neither here nor there, a land of perpetual twilight, where no light from the sun or the moon shone where no sound was heard. Through the cave ran the river Leith, and all who drank from its silent waters would forget all that they were till they reached oblivion. Hypnos was as old as time. He had been present when all things that are, were or will be came into being. He was a child of darkness, the brother of death. And as the god of sleep, he owned half of human life, able to make or break a mind at will. He had three children, Morpheus, Phantos and Phobita, the Honori, the shape-shifting gods that appeared in dreams or nightmares. But unlike his brother, Hypnos was kinder and more gentle. He only wanted balance in the world. It was getting to Hypnos 
that was difficult. To get to the realms of sleep, you had to be at peace with yourself in darkness, or find yourself stuck there forever. Hera needed someone to go for her because she wasn't going to fucking do it. Besides, she needed to contend with Poseidon, which was by no means an easier task. Yeah, right. And so Hera summoned Iris, her messenger and friend whose cloak of colour would arc through the sky as she passed between heaven and earth. She instructed Iris to go to Erebus, to the cave of Hypnos, and plead with him on her behalf to bestow his kindness upon Alakon and send one of his sons to inform her of Sakes's death. Iris shuddered. She had never been to the cave of sleep, to the mysterious realm of darkness and shadow where no light shone and no sound was heard, and Hera, sensing her fear, smiled and held Iris in an embrace and said, We only fear darkness when we are lost within it. She then kissed her gently on the lips, and sunlight began to dance from Hera's fingertips and mouth and Iris felt warmth flood through her as the strands of light wound their way around her body, threading up her spine, her chest, her legs and arms, through her lips, her eyes and hair till gently entwining around her heart. Hera stepped back and held her friend. Right now, you are you, and you are here. And she will always be you, even when you're there. Iris nodded, slowly. She didn't really know what Hera meant. Hera had been saying things like this ever since she got back from her retreat. But Iris found it best just to nod along and smile. She was a good friend. Throwing her cloak of colour about her shoulders, she made her way down through the sky. Her cloak trailed its colourful arc through the blue, a rainbow that followed her down, down, down into the mysterious depths of darkness. Where she saw a cave. Outside the mouth of it stood a solitary elm tree lit by a mysterious light that made it glow in the darkness. As far as the eye could see, at the mouth of the cave were poppies, countless poppies. There was no breeze, but they swayed from side to side. And when she stepped amongst them, they all turned to face her. She shuddered, but she was brave and tied the end of her rainbow to one of the branches of the elm so that she could quickly trace her path back to the upper world when the time came. Already she could feel something within her, pulling her. With a breath, she stepped into the cave and began to tread her way through the darkness and silence. Her footsteps made no sound. Up was just as dark as down and there was nothing from left to right. The entrance was gone. But had she walked that far? How long? Was she still moving or was she still? She couldn't see. Was she still moving or was she still? What if she tripped and fell into the darkness? She felt nothing beneath her feet. Was she falling? Was she falling now? Just, just breathe, breathe. Where was her breath? 
She couldn't hear her breath, but she, she had to be breathing because she was thinking, she thought. Think it out loud, then you know that you're there. But what do I say? Anything. She called out into the darkness, but her shout was drowned out by a bellowing silence that made her head ring. Was she still moving? Or was she falling? How do you know if you're falling? Well, when you stop. No, 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 no. Hold on to something. She reached out a hand. Nothing. Where are your hands? Where were her hands? She couldn't see. Where am I? Where's anything? Was that her thought? Who else could it be? It didn't sound like her. What do your thoughts sound like? I've never heard them. You don't know? No. The silence was roaring, deafening her. I can't... I can't hear you. It's too quiet. Can't hear who? You. You mean me. Who else? There is no one else. There's you. You mean me. You're here. I'm here. I'm here. You're here. No. No. You are you. And you're here. That's right. But it's me. I'm you. It's me. I'm you. I'm you. And you're me. I am me. And I am here. I am me. And I am here. I am me. And I am here. And she repeated that mantra over and over again. And as she did so, she dug her nails into the palm of her hand, rejoicing at the pinch that shot through her skin and cut through the stillness in which she found herself falling into. And she was falling. She was definitely falling. Something was coming towards her in the darkness, rushing towards her, getting closer and closer, but she was not afraid. She was going towards something, and as she fell, things began to form all around her, shapes gone as soon as they appeared. But she was not afraid. She laughed. And as she laughed, Hera's light that was in her body began to shine. I am here, and I am me. I am here, and I am me. And as the end came faster and faster towards her, she beamed as she stretched out her fingers and saw that they were glowing glowing the end came faster and faster and she was not afraid she was not afraid she reached the end and all of that nothing vanished to reveal herself standing in a cave she looked around and saw the entrance right behind her there was the tree and the poppies there was the rainbow tied to the branch. She stepped further into the cave, her light shining brighter and brighter as she took in the small space. The wall and ceilings were made from smooth black stone. A river ran right through the middle, and on the other side stood a throne made of ebony. Its back reached right up to the ceiling, and around, like a plumage, was stuck black feathers. Behind it danced thick black shadows that swirled and shimmered in the still air. In the throne sat a being. Around its head was a crown of poppies. Its face was like that of an old man's, but one who had lived a carefree life and so had no wrinkles on it. An old man baby face. It beamed like a child, and although its eyes were closed, Iris felt that it was looking straight at her. This, she thought, must be Hypnos, 
echoing around the cave. She looked into the old man baby's face and realised that it was this who spoke to her, without moving its lips. Still taken aback, Iris pointed at the entrance. It's just there. The entrance. I thought, I thought I'd come so much further. As a demigod herself, she knew better than to question things that seemed impossible. She relayed Hera's message, and once she had finished, Hypnos reached back and pulled a handful of the shadow behind him. Holding it in his palm, it flashed a white light and revealed Alicon, standing on the cliff edge and staring out to sea. Her eyes were red from crying, and her face pale from lack of sleep. She looked desperate her lips moving but making no sound. Hypnos closed his hand, and the image, along with the shadow, vanished into whispering vapours. A mind that is lost in the darkest places can never be at rest. The world is too large for her now. She's forgotten herself. always saying stuff like that, she said. Did you go on the same retreat as her? Morpheus, called Hypnos. Out from the shadows stepped a small winged creature. Its skin was leathery grey, but Iris stepped back when she saw that what stood before her had no face. Just a blank square of skin that stared back at her, blankly. Hypnos laughed as all of a sudden the figure transformed into Iris. My son is playing games with you. He is a shapeshifter and can transform into any person from breath upon this world. And with that, Morpheus had transformed and there stood Hera, and then Zeus, and then one of Iris's exes, Dick, she managed to say before Morpheus changed again, and there, before her, was sex. He stepped over the river and stood beside Iris. Well, what are you waiting for? said Hypnos. And Iris smiled her thanks and turned to leave. As she stood at the cave entrance amongst the poppies, she called back to the ancient god, By the way, I reckon more people would visit you if they didn't lose their fucking minds in your doorway. Just saying to think about. She then untied the rainbow and throwing the cloak of colour about her shoulders retraced her path back up, up, up through the dark to the sky, Morpheus beating his wings alongside her. And after she left, Hypnos opened one sleepy eye that gleamed beneath heavy lids. 
He set himself back in his chair. Plucking a handful of shadow from behind him, he held it, cupped in his hands. Alicon appeared, and he saw her pained face once more, staring at the ceiling as she lay in her bed. Hypnos brought the shadow close to his lips and began gently whispering into it. And as he did so, he watched as Alicon suddenly drifted into a deep sleep. And satisfied, he set the shadow down where it immediately vanished. And Hypnos then pulled the impenetrable darkness back across the cave and set himself back down in the chair where he did a little fart and went to sleep. Alicon was woken from her sleep by the sound of someone entering her room. She opened her eyes and there stood at the edge of her bed was Sakes. She gasped as he made his way over to her, the corner of his mouth curling into a smile. He sat on the bed next to her and held her hand and Alicum brought it tightly to her chest as he ran his fingers through her hair and down her cheek with that softness he was blessed with. They then lay there, wrapped in each other's arms, and neither of them said anything. Why ruin it? And Alicon realised that she was dreaming, as we all eventually do. But she was calm, and she looked at him and asked if he was dead. And he nodded and opened her mind to see the beach that lay just below the cliffs where she stood each day. And she knew that this was where she must go. But for now, she was happy to lay in her lover's arms. For in that moment, everything that Sakes was, was there. And in the morning, Alicon rose from her bed and left her house. She made her way down to the shore by the cliffs, where she found Sakes lying there, on the beach as she knew she would. And she ran over to him, and began to weep. And she beat her chest, and she cursed the world and screamed at the sky. But then she washed his body, and kissed his eyes, and collected the wood and built his pyre and made the fire, watching his body disappear with the smoke into the sky. And she knew that a part of her would always be broken, because this was the end. But when we know that something is at an end, we can begin again. away now I can no longer tell you This morning's tempest I have to cross I must be guided without a stumble 
Into the arms I love the most And when he came to His true love's dwelling He knelt down gently Upon a stone And through her window He's whispered lowly Is my true lover within at home? Wake up, wake up, love It is thine own true love Wake up, wake up, love, and let me in, for I am tired, love, and oh so weary, and more than need, drenched to the skin. She's raised her offer, her down soft pillow. She's raised her up and she's let him in. And they were locked in each other's arms. Until that long night was past and gone And when that long night was past and over And when the small clouds begin to grow He's taken her And he saddled and mounted And away did go I must away now I can no longer tarry This morning's tempest I have to cross I must be guided without a stumble into the arms I love the most. Hello everybody, that was Iris and Hypnos by Sam Ricks and also the Night Visiting song sung by Tim Carp, which is me. Wonderfully yeah. sung oh, by yeah, Tim Carp. Thanks guys, thanks guys. So, uh, Rixie, do you want to talk a little bit about what that story means to you? Yeah. Um, so, Iris and Hypnos, it's, it's an old ancient Greek myth and I I came across it and, and I absolutely loved it because it's it's a... It's a love story that's disguised in a in a kind of adventure story, and I um, it really spoke to me. One because it's about someone just being completely lost in love, 
and also lost in the past. Um, and also, genuinely, I, I remember when I first wrote this story, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, I was going mm. through some serious insomnia. It's a couple of years ago, and I just literally spent so many nights where I just wouldn't sleep. And uh, the idea of going to the cave of sleep and meeting the god of sleep um, and how important... And you truly... you Only when you don't get enough sleep do you realise how important it is and how mental you become when you're not getting enough of it. Um, and so I just really... I was just completely drawing on that um, as part of it. And uh, and so it was, it was that as well. And then it's also realising that you've just got to go through the thing, no matter how hard everything is no matter how difficult something is it's that mantra of just keep on moving through it mm. you know and remember that you're you and you are here and you are fine everything will be fine no matter how difficult something is just keep on going yeah um yeah i like the sentiment in the in the story of when something is um when some, when you know something is over, then you can truly move on. It's that, it's that. Yeah, yeah, that and it's. Idea. I mean, it's it's that it's that thing. I mean, you know, when you go through a breakup, and it's like, sure do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like the worst. It's the worst thing in the world, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and it's awful, and it's just. I mean, it can be good as well. Can be good. It's the best and the worst thing sometimes. I had a but, good one. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah, you know, and it's, it's it's horrible, but uh but you you move through it and but when when that thing's at an end you can truly begin again. And I think that goes with any relationship, anything that you're doing or any um cycle of change in your life, you know. Because it always is a cycle, isn't it? And when we're in those positions we focus so much on the ending and we cling on to it. Or, you know, not always, but a lot of times we cling on to it because we don't want it to end. We don't want it to let go. And you sometimes do so many crazy things that 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 almost drive you mad if you're if you're really trying to hold on to something and not let it go instead of just accepting that it's over. And sometimes like in, in this story, it's very much like her seeing that he's dead allows her to let go. And it's I think we know that when we let go, it's going to be traumatic and painful and it's going to be heartbreaking and you're going to have to scream and cry and do all these things and none of us want to go through that you know but actually in order to move on and and re-begin again then you you have to and and I think we try to avoid it um and I and I love the ending like the ending of this when I hear it and when I've seen you do it live always brings tears to my eyes because it's so beautiful and the rituals that she goes through Mm. and and those rituals of like of, of what she needs to do to to deal with the loss of her of her love and then what she needs to do to respect him as well and then that ending of hope and and i think when we're in those situations it's so important to remember that every ending is actually a a beginning and we we don't we we don't have to cling on yeah and it's what you're saying there i think ritual is is why it's so important having rituals in our in our life, like, I think human beings need rituals. That's why we have a funeral. That's why we have a wake. That's why we have a wedding. Is because we like to come together and and cement something. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, it's just a way of marking a chapter in your life. I think. And mm-hmm. I think. Um, and the, the the difficulty that the character of Alicon had was that she just she didn't know. Mm. She didn't. You know, when you're just left in that limbo, it's like, well, what happened? One minute he was there, and the next minute he's not, mm. and so you get no closure. 
And so, yes, it's awful that he's dead, but it's better to know. Mm. And it's always better to know and so that you can go mm. about healing yourself, you know, going through the things and, um, and changing the things because when you're left in that limbo state, it's the worst thing in the world. And it's when you're like, okay, sweet, I've hit my rock bottom. Yeah, mm. there's and like, uh, I feel like there's two kinds of tears and one is the tears of fear. Right. So, so when she's she doesn't know what's going on, she doesn't know where he is, and then when she sees him again, it's the tears of of love and mm. and pain. Mm. But but those kind of um, distinguishable different feelings of like these kind of tears are not good ones, and these ones are kind of mm. better ones. And I think being in those uncertain limbo situations, you know, you can apply that to a relationship, and and they can they can almost drive you mad as well you know if you say you feel you sense that your partner <laughs> isn't com- completely into it or might be wanting to break up with you and that could that can go on for weeks and you can be in that limbo state where you can just mm. pick up on the feelings or pick up on the sensations and pick up on the slightly more cold or or different approach and that can be really hard that can keep you awake with worry and you can think about it but then you know the moment that, that they might say they they break up with you and they say look this this is over that's really hard but at least you're not in that that crazy bit where like she doesn't know if he's dead or alive but she knows and she senses it but mm. she she can't accept it until she's can't actually seen it, it. and and you know that i i feel that applies so well the bit the bit that i we were talking about this just before but the bit that i really really love is when when iris goes down and and starts to really lose herself <laughs> going into the cave and and there's loads of different like you have you you were saying and what your sort of meaning behind that was um for me you know that idea of um it's something that i've done um many times in romantic relationships of losing parts of yourself and giving away parts of yourself to be with someone and twisting oh, yeah. and shaping parts of yourself and and forgetting who you are forgetting which way is up which way is down you become so enwrapped in 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 that relationship and, and in that other person and you give away aspects of yourself so that your identity becomes really blurred and 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 you're you're a bit of like just digging in and like f- closing your fists and saying you know i am me and i am here mm. you are you and you are here and remembering that, like holding that in a relationship means that you will have so much more respect for yourself and the other person will have so much more respect mm. for you. And those situations where I've I've felt I've been iris and like losing my shit on my way in, yeah. um, it ultimately leads in a lack of respect and, and uh, uh, for, for you. For yourself, and, yeah. Yeah, and when you come out of that, you know, I can speak from from um, experience, like when you come out of that, you you feel like you've, you're reborn and you feel like you've rediscovered yourself and you look back and you're like, who the fuck was I? Like, why the fuck was I yeah. doing that? And who was I doing these things? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. why did I... I don't even like that band. Why was I listening to them? Yeah. Because that other person loved them and you're like, I hate that music. <laughs> you know, or I hate that, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it's when your identity... I mean, yeah, I mean, you you talk about it with relationships, but it's it's kind of life in general where... You know, we've all done it. Where you feel like you're like, this isn't actually me. What am I? What am I doing here? But I, I, I feel that the older I get, the more I just become, <laughs> become who I am, or the more accepting of who I am becomes. But also, what I found is that 
who I am is just is constantly changing. My opinion changes on something every single day and who I am changes every single day. But it's being rooted to some compass. You need to have some gyroscope within you that's going to just keep you pointing in the right direction, I mm. guess. And it's like that mantra of like, well, I'm me and I'm here and everything is just going a bit mad around me right now. Mm. Um, but I'm not up there and I'm not down there. I'm in, just in the middle and I'm cruising on. And it's like trying to stick to that point as much as possible because the thing is though is when you're falling in love it is it is great to kind of lose your mind a little bit mm, that's true you know that it's a good feeling it's a, it's a rush isn't it oh, yeah and you do generally you do literally lose your mind <laughs> you should you? see Sam's face he's got such a <laughs> cheeky little like delicious grin on you do lose your mind though don't you yeah it's a uh, it's a sickness it is it is a <laughs> sickness and I, I think we probably become addicted to it you know, we become addicted to that rush, and and I, I don't know, maybe in, you know, I, I think about my parents' generation where they, you know, with a relationship, they were um, much better at, you know, working on stuff and, and pushing through stuff. I mean, obviously not always... Keeping it buried. Um, well, yeah, but also I think, I I also, you know, th- there's there's definitely that, and there's two sides of it, and, and I love that we live in this world where people if they're feeling miserable or unhappy in a relationship mm. or, or sad that there's there's a lot more freedom to end it and you know as Esther Perel says that in the modern day um in the in before the shame would have been if you continued the shame would have been if you ended a relationship where you got divorced for example whereas in our in our time the shame is staying in a relationship that you're unhappy in and that that's really important um but i also think there's another side of it where sometimes we do become just addicted to that initial falling in love part mm. that rush and we're not actually better at, as good at, at working through the more difficult stuff that comes with a relationship of, of working with someone um i'm yeah. not saying that you know we should go back to the days where people are miserable and unhappy in relationships and just plowing through and burying it but it's, i um, guess it's i guess it's recognizing that though mm. it's um yeah it, it's seeing that for what it is and being like okay am i just dropping everything because i'm too scared to continue or am i because it, 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 there is a bravery in me yeah. in saying like, no, come on, let's work this out. Like this is grown up. We've spent a lot of time working on this. Yeah, and that's why. Today, I mean, when a relationship's over, it's over. But I think only if you can look back and say, no, I did everything I could. Mm. Then it's a lot easier to move mm. on. And it's that. It's when you know that something's truly at an end. Mm. You don't want to be looking back, going, oh no, I could have done this and I could have done that. Yeah, that's true. As we've all done. Speak like some haggard old man. Like I've had loads of my old young women back in the day. <laughs> my many lovers. <laughs> I've had many lovers. And they're probably all listening now. Um, I mean, definitely all listening. <laughs> of course they are. Clarissa. <laughs> Clarissa, I made a mistake. <laughs> Take I'm, me back. <laughs> Take me back. I made a mistake, Clarissa. Apologies for my snort laugh into the microphone. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Let's talk about the night visiting song. Yeah, let's talk about that. Luke Kelly and the Dubliners. Yeah. Such a beautiful song. And yeah, that was, song. That, was, uh, that was your idea, Ricky, wasn't it? You just popped into your head that song, didn't it, after, after, after writing that story? Uh, Something like that. I think we... Did we do an event with Jack Dirtnell? Jack and he, and he said, oh, that, that story is very... Like the night visiting song That's by Luke it. Kelly. Oh, really? Yeah. Because if Jack. you look at the lyrics, it literally reads in a way like Sakes' return to Alicon. Yeah. 
Um, and no, yeah, we saw no Jack sang it at, a, at an event once, and he's a very if ever you want a singer, Jack Durnall, Jack Durnall. is the one and a beautiful human and a beautiful human. Um, he always smells like wood smoke. Yeah, he does. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's either like coming back from a camping trip in the forest or on his way to a camping yeah. trip in the forest. Yeah, and yeah, he's a he's a great guy. And yeah, he sang it and it was beautiful. And it was like, oh, well, that just worked. They go hand in hand. They really do. Mm. I feel like those things. And it's such a beautiful song. And if if you really want to feel something, obviously listen to Tim Carp's beautiful version, but just find Luke Kelly singing it because it's, it's amazing, just it's it? something else. That guy, man. Mm. What a voice. Um, and it's such a beautiful song. There's a really good example, actually, of a story being told through song, you know, mm. um, like a lot of these old folk songs do. Um, and it's a really simple song as well. Mm. How was it to play Tim? To play the song? Mm. I love it. Like... It's, it's great, yeah. It's such a... Yeah, like Richie said, it's such a simple melody. Such It's got a weird number of bars, which confused me for ages. Mm. Um, but it just flo- it just flows so beautifully, and the lyrics are, are gorgeous. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you really, really feel the the emotion in that song. That whole thing of, you know, wake up, wake up, my love, it is the known true lover, is so, so perfect yeah. for this story, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And coming and telling her. Because and... I'm drenched to the skin. Mm. And sort of things like this bloke just being in the sea and drowned and stuff. And then he's gone yeah. at the end of it, you know? They have their moment, and it's just this fleeting, wonderful moment that's just eternal in itself, and then and then it's gone. It's just this such a beautiful tune, man. So yeah, check out Luke Kelly singing the night visiting song because it is beautiful. I I I love um, because I I remember I I told this story a long time ago, but a very different sort of version of it and different interpretation of it. And and I like you you the way you pick up and create these characters within these stories, Rixie, is is like is so incredible. And your your hypnos is just like. Yeah, a wonderful. I have such a vivid image of him in my head and and who oh, he thanks, is man. and the way he, the way he carries himself and and. Um... But it's this is what I love about those about the the Greek myths and the way that they kind of view gods, which is this personification of of nature and things we know. So like, of mm. course, there's a god of sleep. Mm. It's like you're not in charge of that. It's like during the day, you're like, yeah, the god of sleeps not letting you have it mm-hmm. and I just think it's really nice to personify these things and and make give them a name and give them a give them a life and give them an energy because it's I don't know I just I quite like it mm. it makes my day easier mm. you know <laughs> it's what we do humans it's what it's we what do we've done forever I think it's to I think it make, our world yeah it makes so much more sense to me to have a, a god of sleep a god of the mountains a god of the trees and all that stuff than than not and mm. also, but also to have like one god who invents everything. It's mm. kind of like not saying that that's not true. Maybe cut this bit out. I'm just going to extract myself from this now. I'm going to extract myself from this before I say something really bad. Well, also the god, the the gods were very. You know, we're always. I mean, what I love about the Greek gods is how how flawed and um, sometimes destructive, and and but also powerful and creative and wonderful they are and and that that's who us humans are and, and whenever you know with, with hypnos he's got such a human quality but also is powerful and and has the power to really 
influence people's lives and I mm. guess we all we're all that you know um, yeah sleep can really change you as yeah. you said at the start yeah lack of sleep will fuck you up and love will fuck you up and losing your lover will really fuck you <laughs> up as well all of these things which are so wonderful when you get them when they go are dreadful yeah um, and you take it for granted I think how you feel until until it changes and then it's like you're really in the shit yeah it's like you know when you're going through a breakup and you're like this is it this is how I'm going to be for the rest of my life I'm never going to be joyful again and then spring comes and you get a new haircut and everything's fine yeah yeah great and we've been three men talking about love and relationships <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um shall we finish up there yeah um thank you so much for listening uh we're not quite sure when these are going to go out so we're not going to talk about any of our upcoming shows but as always just check our facebook and our instagram um for anything that's upcoming we have so many exciting things coming up over spring and summer and working on some lovely little treats for the end of 2020 as well so stay tuned um i've been lona jenkins i've been sam ricks i've been tim carp thank you very much for listening to the embers podcast Bye-bye.